0: New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven and Connecticut tick. Roland Lamar and JR Romano make New Haven and Connecticut tick, especially when they're closeted in the same radio studio as they are today at WNHH FM. JR chairs the Republican Party of Connecticut. Roland represents New Haven and Hartford, a state representative from the 96th General Assembly District, and he helps Democrats wage campaigns for public office statewide. Welcome to the studio, gentlemen, and Happy New Year. Happy New Happy Year, New Paul. year to you, too. You guys all share it on Facebook here. Which, here. That's what I'm trying to do right now. All right, I'll give you, give you a second to do that. But um, we're going to talk today about 2018 is going to be a busy year at the state capitol, even though it's a short session, given the continuing budget problems. I feel like that's becoming a default. Appalachian, like the budget problems, at the state capital, that sort of the, the Sessions
1: thing. are never short anymore. <laughs> well this is one
0: starts in February, right?
1: This one starts the first week of February, but you know we'll be in a couple times in January as well to satisfy our obligations to make our current budget uh, balanced.
0: Oh, they are going to have a special session to, to do that because it's over two hundred million dollar deficit. Yeah, we got two hundred
1: twenty five million dollars to make up. Were you were you surprised about that, Jr? No.
0: <laughs> All right. And then it goes through May, is it?
1: First week in May is when we are statutorily defined to end, but again, don't hold your breath. And then, uh, as we know, it's an even number year, so people are be running for state constitutional offices, all the state
0: reps and senators are going to be running against. That's going to be Kespavio. So how's the party, how's 2018 looking for your parties, guys, at the Capitol and statewide? It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, you do seem in like a much more relaxed mood than Roland, JR.
2: Uh, you know, I think, ultimately, um, I know from, from my side, I we have so many people and and we do have a lot of candidates vying for particularly the governor's race. Uh you will do? It?
1: I can't
0: believe how many people run yeah. for governor.
2: Yeah. Um and they've raised a significant amount of money. I mean, it's not as though th- these candidates haven't raised I mean, uh, I think 9 of the 11 or so that are quote-unquote viable um have raised 200,000 plus. Um so I'm just so proud that we have so such a diverse group and and so many who are willing to put their hat in the ring, put their name th- on the line. You mean uh 10 white people and one indian american no that's actually not true oh. thank you though appreciate the uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the stereotyping but no we have we have a syrian american we have an Baby american three immigrants um we actually just have an indian american who who's announced against jim himes uh-huh. um so and we potentially could have two women we're waiting to hear from from well third woman because tony boucher is exploring um but no, we we are absolutely thrilled at, at how many people are willing to try to take on the challenge of of uh, stopping the Titanic from sinking. Which, by the way, also sinking.
0: describes the emerging Democratic field this way, point two. There's one like Indian American and all a bunch of white guys, right?
1: Look, I mean, the National Party on the Republican side in 2016 had a more diverse set of candidates than the Democratic Party did. And locally, uh, Jr. is right that the Republican Party's put forward a much more diverse set of candidates than we have. As You know, as I'm, a I,
0: my eye is on George Logan. He's an African-American and a very diverse He's district. awesome. Who has this Obama way of communicating. He gets along very well with Democrats in his district. He speaks plainly to people. Do you see his someone one day, even
2: this year, on a state ticket? I, you know, I think George is is still settling in, and he loves what he's doing as a, as a senator representing that district. What I, what I find so fascinating about that district, though, outside of Hamden and, I think, Woodbridge, uh, the district voted for Trump, so Derby and Sonia Nagata. Deloro, Deloro, Blumenthal, and then George, so it was kind of a really interesting. It's also
0: the whole world that district. You got Bethany Woodbridge, you got Hamden, you
2: got you got the Derby Devaldo and Sonia, Hamden, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so working it, George class, is wealthy. Yeah. Yeah. George has done a great job too.
0: So why now, people? There's been a lot of talk about how Connecticut turned purple in 2017. That it, the legislature, even though Democrats technically had the governor's office in both legislative uh, chambers of legislature, when you count the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. In fact, when it came time to try to pass a budget a bunch of Democrats bolted to the Republican side and it was a Republican budget that was first passed that was via a Democratic yeah. governor had it then you had to negotiate a negotiated bipartisan did Connecticut turn purple in 2017 is it turning red in 2018
2: well I, I think the, the the people of this state have been electing more Republicans because they're desperate for a new direction um, we've seen consistent uh, out of the Democratic Party you've seen consistent in terms of tax tax increases they they, they I think the more devastating thing that no one talks about is, is I understand the idea of a bipartisan budget. But that CBAC deal, uh, which extended
0: unions that rep the coalition of state unions.
2: Right. They extended the, the it's actually a wealthier package than they give congressmen. Um, they extended that by 10 years, which essentially keeps us in a fiscal crisis.
0: Now, there's another side to that, right, Roland, which is that for the second time since Governor Lloyd's been. Governor, there were major concessions given this, by state. That's unions. exactly
1: right. Since 2011, we've entered into two multi-billion-dollar saving negotiations with our state unionized workforce. There would be no possibility of a bipartisan budget this past year if it weren't for the billions of dollars that unions gave back that they didn't have to. The now idea 20, that you, well, actually,
2: that's not true, and You could have just let the deal expire.
1: But uh, no, because you would have had a you had, would have current short-term obligations that are inherent in this budget that recognize savings from that deal that we would not have been able to recognize the current. Uh, fiscal year and next year's savings that we need to without the savings that you would get from in this fiscal year next fiscal year the next four fiscal years you not would have you would not have been able to balance the budget there would have been no approach there would have been no bipartisan budget like the yankee institute and these other think tanks uh think that you could just lay people off uh the last time that a republican uh governor tried to do that we ended up settling a multi hundred million dollar suit because he violated the terms of the Seabec agreement there was right, no but the
2: agreement was going to expire when uh, 2022 right and you extended it by 10 years
1: we extended
0: it for five but yeah. they also started giving people part 401ks rather than, i mean they, they had
1: pension
2: there's sm- small things that are in there but, but billions of
1: dollars of savings right but
2: fundamentally what the people of the state need to understand is is that you, you have someone like dick blumenthal right senator blumenthal is one of the wealthiest members in in, in the united states senate and in congress right he opts out of congressional benefits congressional benefits they are the, the some perceive like oh these major perks of being con- he opts out because the connecticut deal is better so essentially the deal that you extended is better than what we give congressmen. so basically you know you guys that's not true. Are arguing that about is, this. he opts out that is 100 percent true the, he opts- the
1: old the old tier one benefit deal that of which attorney general blumenthal was a part of uh and now senator blumenthal is allowed to remain in We cannot change the terms of that tier one deal. What we've done in the current deal is actually changed. We've gone from tier one to tier two, to tier two, a, to tier three, to tier four. We've made remarkable changes in the construct of those, uh, those contracts. And so that you'll never see a situation like that again. You'll never see the multi-billion dollar savings. In fact, the vast majority of our workforce is on a sustainable pension plan. It is our long-term employees who've been there for 20, 30, uh, 40 years who've, who we'd never saved for and a series of Republican and Democratic legislators and governors uh failed to un- to fund properly for the better part of 25 years this is a this is there an was a only great problem. story
0: about that bipartisan problem but in the mirror by Keith faniff yesterday where he was delayed talking about how in 2014 when it was election year he kind of thought it was a conspiracy between Republican Jody well and the Democrats in the legislature not to f- to borrow money not just to close the deficit but to pay the first year on the borrowing and, yeah, and kick that uh, down we're, we're held
2: hostage. I mean, that—that's and and, and and I that's think that's not
0: a Democrat or Republican thing. I think we can agree. Well, but that I think we, politicians.
2: I, I I think oftentimes pe- politicians, in particular, are more focused on the next election necessarily than solving a problem. And I think that the people of Connecticut are getting tired of that. So because, how's that going
0: to play this year, Jr.? So this year you're going to be running, and the de- the Republicans did step up to the plate and craft a bipartisan budget last term rather than just say you're going to have to own it, Democrats, and you'll have some terrible result, and everybody will be mad at you either way because you're not going to raise money enough and you're going to have to cut stuff. But they're going to have an incentive this year to have the Democrats own the problems rather than make long-term fixes so that they can get elected in the majority, correct? Because you already have a $220 million deficit opening in the new budget, which already was the— made deep cuts in social service programs in order to even get to what they thought was a balanced budget. So to be responsible this year, you're going to have to make tough decisions to get people mad. Are the Republicans going to sit it out so that they can get
2: elected? Well, I think, you know, once again, Republicans have been elected to change the culture in Hartford. And, and, and I think, again, we talk about some of the things that have happened at the state level, particularly how we've spent our money and, and what we spend our money on. Um, you know, I, I, this is what we were sent to Hartford to do. And I think every Republican is taking that very seriously um, and we're proud of the reforms that we're trying to make. We are. So, Roland, key members of your party
0: joined the Republicans this year in arguing that we can't raise revenues anymore to fix problems. They said that if we raise income taxes, something you've argued doing doing the wealthy, and income's over a half million or a million, and raise it to um, uh, another half percentage point a year, I guess to 7.5. They argued, the Republicans and some leading Democrats, that if you raise income tax rates any higher, people are going to leave the state. You end up co- Gathering less money and the reason we keep having these big deficits is the income tax revenues are so unpredictable. But then there's another part of the party, including people who want to primary those who aren't agreeing and who are voting with Republicans.
2: You can say Representative Josh Elliott's okay. Okay.
0: And also the you know, the whole kind of Bernie Sanders supporters it, it, saying that uh that in fact it's very important to get more money out of the wealthy, that it's a lie that you're going to lose money overall and that you're going to be causing a lot of pain, not necessarily. Your party's kind of ditching you on this, aren't you? Because you've been a, a revenue-growing
1: proponent. Look, I mean, I think it's true that the Democratic Party in Connecticut is a much more moderate, suburban-based party than uh, I would define. And when I think it, we lack a clear, concise message about how to grow Connecticut in the 21st century, how to make stru- smart strategic investments in our cities and in transportation and our education system to compete in the 21st century. And we don't define this in the proper terms. Yes, we need additional revenues to invest in the things that will make Connecticut strong. Or we'll keep Schools, having companies move because they say there's are
2: the infrastructure of the workforce. So what do you think about that, JR? But I, I think the fundamental problem is is that n- no company is going to expand here. They're not in- Unless you're giving them corporate welfare. Right, unless unless you pay, it's like paying the to be married. First five, yeah. It, right, you, we're paying them to to marry us, right? And then, of course, what happens there is, they're, as soon as a better deal comes along, they're gone. Right. Um, I think we need massive uh, changing in how we operate as a state in terms of of how we look at revenue revenue collection, how we tax. I mean, look, one of the things, and this, no, but,
0: but what about the point we were talking about? So you're saying what about rolling same uh-huh. investments and not in corporate welfare and giving companies loans to to not move even if they weren't saying well, if you, move. But what about in roads and bridges what about in schools what about in well, mass but, but transit but the idea what is, about is, in, in community how colleges? you raise revenue
2: you can expand the tax base right you can it, by creating a better tax environment you can get businesses to open you can get revenue through through those processes i'll give you a prime example my office was in hartford right i moved it why because i refused to pay the property taxes that associated with being in hartford it didn't make any sense and frankly if you if you continue to have high taxes your smaller businesses are not going to be able to survive so you're going to end up giving corporate welfare away probably
0: tax so high in hartford because the because the conservatives in both parties are not funding cities in the payment in lieu of taxes program I,
2: i i many have argued this unfortunately it just doesn't hold true because, from my perspective, is, is there are very similar cities that are close to Hartford in terms of the pilot program. Take New Britain, for example. New Britain, 49% of that, that property is untaxable. Really? 49%? It's 49%. I, I they have universities, that. they have hospitals, they have a ton of nonprofits. Yet somehow, Aaron Stewart, a Republican, managed to save New Britain from a, almost a $30 million budget deficit and somehow. Luke Bronin couldn't. And I know we've talked a little off record about that's the Luke. Dem- that's the Democratic mayor of Harvard. He's a mayor of Harvard, and and he needed massive bailouts from the states. And by the way, the, when you see when they're unwilling to make massive infrastructure reform and in the number of employees they have, and sure, they've laid some people off, but it's not enough. So what it's do you not think enough. About,
0: what do you think about the New Britain exam? So what I, I think what JR is saying, Earl Lamar, is that what we've been saying in cities for decades is wrong, that even though more than half our property is taxed up New Haven, he's saying Somehow there's some secret sauce that the Republican mayor of New Britain's found that we don't need to be reimbursed for state tax exemptions. We can find other ways to balance our budget. Uh
1: the mayor of New Britain who I've I've met with uh Ms. Stewart, numerous times, uh, chair of the Planning Development Committee, so we interact with first selectmen and mayors all of the time. Uh, she's used a series of, of short-term gimmicks. She's sold one-time revenues, one-time refinancing revenues? debts. JR, tell me that's not true. Uh, uh, refinancing well, sure, long-term debts. That
0: is the lowest form of political expediency, selling one-time <laughs> revenues to balance a budget. We did that in New Haven. That well, when was you have, joke. But
2: when you have one-off in terms of, of – it, it just depends on what's the budget situation. They told her you're going to have to fi- – when she first got elected, they told her you're going to have to file bankruptcy, and She refused. And what did Luke Bronin do? He went to the Capitol and said, give me money or I'm filing for bankruptcy. It is an entirely different approach. And, and I understand, yes, you look at these things and, and look, you the want to talk about budget right, gimmicks. She hasn't,
0: found some, so she hasn't found a long-term answer to do about tax and property. Right, but
2: but she's growing New Britain, meaning in, in how she's negotiated, she got a short-term solution. And now she's brought in business, she's brought in redevelopment, and she didn't have to do How's it. Has their grand list grown? Yes. Because yes. New Haven, our grand list has grown quite a bit. Well, but New Haven, let's be honest, benefits from Yale being here, right? Had, and you also have Yale taking all that
0: property off the rolls.
2: Right, but you have, the benefit of having Yale is the number of people does here. The number does. of people I, I who are here, right? So so the point is is that it, it's utilizing what you have in front of you properly. And Hartford doesn't
1: do it properly. Okay, okay, but, but we're, we're ignoring reality and why cities are taxed their residents the way that they have. We have 169 small communities in the state, which is absurd. In any other place in the, in the country... Guilford, Brantford, East Haven, Hamden, uh, North Haven. They'd all be just New Haven. Similarly with Hartford, West Hartford, Simsbury, Farmington, they would all just be Hartford. And you'd have a shared... A tax base from which to grow and, and, and responsibly invest. Instead, we have these micropolitans that we never fully invest in. That are over fifty percent tax exempt. That suburban legislators determine what you can and can't tax inside the city of Hartford. Make a commitment to fund and payment in lieu of taxes. We understand that you're taking on the brunt of services for the entire region. So we'll give you seventy-seven percent on seventy-seven cents on a dollar for the land that we take off. The tax rules but then never actually fulfill that obligation so I, i'm
2: gonna ask you a question did you vote to to uh limit car taxes I, I, so I, 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 so i'll give you a prime example you, you, the, the state of connecticut the legislature voted uh, forced municipalities to say that you cannot i think it's 43 mils essentially for a car so you restricted the the amount of revenue a municipality could collect right I, I voted against the budget, well, uh, um, but, but but that wasn't in the budget. That was just, I think that was a separate vote. That, no, it was part of the budget. But like the, there's a there's a but the point is is that there was a, a vote. The Democrats pushed this idea that New Haven, Bridgeport, uh, New Britain could no longer ch- basically charge what they what they could and and for some municipalities it created a massive budget shortfall
1: i voted for the plan that actually reimbursed those communities for every dollar that they lost uh, i did not vote for the plan that unilaterally changed the mill rate at the last second and then did not reimburse those. which communities. is the one that
2: passed yes right so i with all due respect i understand what you're saying but but you can't have it both ways you can't you can't force a municipality i'm
1: pretty sure i out- outlined why i don't think i should have it both ways and, and actually held to my guns and-
2: so you but you want county government you essentially want to you want another government entity to kind of oversee w- how we're spending money. I think it's cities.
1: absurd that the state of Connecticut has 154 school superintendents. I think it's absurd that we have 129 police chiefs. I think it's absurd that we have 100 and X number of reading instructors and
2: science now, sir, instructors. That would seem
0: to be like a Republican idea. You consolidate, you spend less on public services. Well, it depends
2: on it depends on how you're looking at it. Sure, there's lots of districts that consolidate and and use, for example, in the Valley, uh, you, you, you have they do shared services but there's no taxing authority right so what what my concern is is within county government is is that you have a local tax in New Haven then you have a county tax and then you have county employees and you have county pensions and then all of a sudden now these county governments are behaving as like the city of New Haven I've, which I've never heard New anyone. Haven is much better run than say Hartford but for example Hartford has been mismanaged for 25 years I've so, never
1: heard anyone articulate developing a new county based structure Instead, I think we might need to recognize that it's no longer uh, reasonable or rational to continue to have so many micro communities what, what, with their own taxing structure. This would not happen in any other state in the country. They, they'd recognize consolidations of, of services in a way that you could have, instead of having all of these, every town has their own town engineer and town attorney and town this and town that. And if we had this on a more regional basis uh, and, and, and shared those services strategically, you would save, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars collectively across the state. I mean, there are the idea that we need 119 911 call centers when the city of New York operates one with a greater population and significantly more uh, challenges than than we do as a state.
2: Right, I I understand the idea of shared services, but again, you specifically mentioned taxing authority. Taxing authority of these entities, right? No, I, I suggested that in any other state in the country, you'd have a shared... Services. There are cities that do already do shared services, and they have and each so community. You guys might has a,
0: agree because I don't think Roland's saying establish a county well, government. I, He's talking about I, like, I specific, but he hasn't answered the question.
2: Does this entity that you're talking about does that have taxing authority? At the end of the day, going from twelve communities
1: down to two, those but two communities go, it will it need
2: will will need taxing authority. Yes. So so. Uh, would you so I, I guess from my perspective is again we're adding another layer of taxes when
0: we're we're already the most well, taxed state in the country to those 12 towns did they become two towns instead of 12 so you have less of a taxing authority or is it going to be? And what cows? happens
2: to their? What happens to the municipal pensions? What happened to the municipal employees? What happens to all of that? We've already
1: we've already laid the groundwork for a lot of this by having a municipal municipal employee retirement system that's that's not by everyone's the state. in it.
2: Not everyone is in it.
1: But we should try to move people in more in that direction. At the end of the day, the idea that every town has to have their own dog catcher or town attorney. Well, and you keep you zo- keep
2: saying that some of them already have shared services. Yeah, like nine.
1: You we know I mean, There's I mean, more than but, nine. But the reality is, we're operating with such complete.
2: But I like, think where,
0: where I'm not figuring out where you guys agree or disagree is, I think if you're agreeing to have more shared services, are you talking about creating new layers of government, or are no. you just creating, have existing
1: layers of government that have their own taxing authority,
0: I, share services. I think it's complex, existing layers
1: of government that remove the need for each individual community to have their own X, Y, Z, and instead have that resource available to all communities where each community pays for that resource, but, you know... They don't have to have it in duplicate, right? Like the idea that there's a superintendent of schools every 15 feet in
2: Connecticut. Yeah, why should there be a superintendent of schools every 15 feet? Well, so? I, I, I believe in local control, right? I believe that, that someone in the superintendent of Brantford would know better what's happening in Brantford and the needs of Brantford students than, say, Madison. Right, the needs of the people in Madison or New Haven would be very different. Is it really that different,
0: Guilford and Madison?
2: No, but I'm just I'm using that as a hypothetical, right? I so, think
1: JR's indicated that he wants a layer of government that he can we can no longer support.
2: Well, no, no, actually, the only people that can't yeah, support this is city. Why do you want all, all
0: these cities? public servants getting paid by taxpayers that benefits they don't need? Why do we'll we be, just have one superintendent? Again, for when it? we're
2: talking about education, we're talking about the, the quality of education for students. And whenever you add more layers of government and bureaucrats, it doesn't get better for the students. But he's talking about less of a Layer. no no he's not that's the I, thing I, I am i think <clears throat> there should be one superintendent and maybe jr maybe is what you're worried about is you could create a new layer rather than eliminate right so layer. you have one superintendent of schools that is overseeing what 50 schools no he's talking about like six right so i'm talking about like six school districts They're talking about like Hamden right so and north haven so so thing, again you know? and, and and this is the fundamental problem we're having this discussion because muni- large municipalities like hartford are failing no, and wait, so and what it's basically because the communities around Hartford are not failing. Why, Jr. Why are they not failing? It's because for for generations. Could it be because they've been in, Democrats have been in charge for thirty five years and have really mismanaged the government? No, it's because, bonded, gave really good pension benefits. I appreciate benefits that's to their a employees. simple answer. That you're a smarter guy than, than true. So how many employees does Hartford have? I, I have how no many? Can, how many employees? Don't you think? employees about five
0: thousand in New Haven. I know that.
2: Yeah, but well, in, in New Haven again, we, we've talked about. I we've think cut New Haven government is, a lot in New Haven. New Haven has run much better than Hartford has been. Um, That's
0: Democrats and, too. for The last nine hundred years.
2: Sure, sure. But I'm just trying to use this example. We're, yeah. we're talking about this specifically because Hartford is failing, right? We're, we're we're talking about this because Hartford needs to get bailed out. You have other municipalities. That Hartford are not, doesn't
1: need to get bailed out. Hartford just needs to be given the resources they've been promised and fail to so deliver they for generations. How, how much
2: how much money does Hartford get from the state of Connecticut every year? Do you know
1: about about two hundred and fifty million dollars roughly?
2: That's they they get more than that for ECS.
1: No, I think they get two hundred and.
2: They get more than the that Twitter for NCS.
1: Twelve, I think for ECS.
2: What else I, do they get?
1: Uh, they get you know pilot funds. They get a series of other. How much money? I think it's half old, a it's, million,
2: half a billion dollars. I don't know if it's. I don't know. Think it's that high. Right. So, but but again, you're arguing is as though the state isn't already giving them much more money than the surrounding communities. But the state also doesn't let them tax their property. But again, I'm going to argue, and this that is exactly There are other communities that have similar amount that aren't allowed to tax their their. And again, the capital, which again is something that is untaxed, I think New Britain's mill rate is one of the people, highest in
1: the state. You keep using it as an example. I'm pretty sure New Britain's mill rate is one of the highest in the state. It's higher than New Haven's, for example. I, I think it's higher on residents than Hartford. Right, is, but actually. they don't get.
2: My point being is is that they're not in the financial straits that Hartford's in. Oh, they assuredly are. They're they're not. Well, this is the thing. I'm I'm talking to you in regards. We can look up the statistics. It's but New just, Britain
0: hasn't asked for a bailout of forty million dollars. That's true.
2: Right. So, so I, I understand what you're saying, but, but at the end of the day, we're talking about this because Hartford's failing and it's always excuses. They never look internally as the pension deals they cut. They never look at the number of employees they have. You go on, you go on right now and you look at, You know, instead of saying we need to maybe reduce our property tax so we can bring businesses here to feed off the number of students or the number of people that go to the Capitol every day, they're not doing that. They're driving businesses out because of the tax rate. And their solution is, well, let's get West Hartford to pay. Let's get Simsbury to pay. Let's get Glastonbury to pay when they haven't even managed their own finances properly. So until someone can go in there, you know, what? how about this? If we were to do a county government, no one from New Haven or Hartford or anyone would be on the board to make any of the decisions.
1: Look, for generations, the surrounding communities of every urban area have told, well, "Let's just make the cities pay." That's exactly what the, the citizens of you your town You just said that Hartford
2: gets close to a half a billion dollars yes, a year. Yes, because they made the trade. Every community made the trade. We'll give those cities money, we don't want any of the problems. How many teach how many So when we were when when <clears throat> when Connecticut became in its fiscal crisis because again, you know, after 8 years of tax increases and failure, we were looking at cutting teachers. Right, you were massively cutting education funding. So, so my, I think what I find fascinating is here you have the the inner cities were were well funded, they were not getting cuts, but the surrounding suburbs were getting massive cuts. Seymour, Connecticut, for example, was going to lose eight million dollars. Eight million dollars. They would have had to lay off about fifteen teachers. Now, you're going to tell me that they're not paying their fair share into New Haven's ECS formula to protect teachers here when yes. when they're, gonna, they're gonna going to they're going to be. I'm going to tell you that. Well, yeah, I'm going they-
0: to tell you that you listen to Dateline New Haven on WNHHFM. You're home for community radio, 103.5 FM, live stream at And boy, we're rolling today. We got I-, Sarah- I, hope so- I hope someone from <laughs>
2: Seymour is watching this and saying that Roland thinks it's okay to lay off teachers in Seymour as long as we're pre- protecting New Haven. I get it. Sharon, that's not what he said. Well, no, but but, but it is what happened. It's what happened in the, the budget. Cra- conclusion based out of his position. Right, because what happened is is that the idea is we need to protect the cities. But meanwhile, other communities outside the cities are also suffering that do not nearly get the attention. But the counter argument
0: is. is that they had more money to begin with because they don't have this high a mill rate because so much of their property is on the tax rolls.
2: But again, they don't get nearly as much reimbursement from the state of Connecticut in terms of ECS, in terms of any of that other. Uh, we are. So, all, let, let's be clear. And meanwhile,
0: Seth Poole writes in. Good morning, gentlemen. And Kate Rosen writes. J.R. Come on. Not sure what. Seth okay. actually and I went to college together. Oh yeah, great okay. guy. And Kate and G- I think and Seth South is great too. <laughs> all right. And so, who's going to be great on the ticket this year? Who do you see emerging? You know, so many people are running for governor, and they really represent different ideas about where the party sh- should go. And one of the big debates, and when I talked to J.R. about this recently, and he said I should think of this in a new way. Traditionally, we've always thought that like, the bases of each party try to pull the, the candidates to the extremes in the primary process. So, you know, Republicans to the right, Democrats to the left, and then you have a candidate who isn't as able to run in the general election. And that idea has been challenged. You know, for instance, people, the Bernie Sanders people said, in fact, that's why they put Clinton up and she got fewer votes than Bernie would have gotten. But, J.R., I want to talk to you about whether there's a danger, whether Trump politics would excite part of your base but drive other people away in the general election. You said you feel that the party's already acting like a big tent and that they're all, they're all
2: part Ours of it. Ours is. Yes. Ours is. We don't have a litmus test to be a part of the Republican Party. Well, can Party. you be
0: pro-choice and be the candidate for the Republican Party?
2: Sure. Sure. I, I, there's no litmus test.
0: Last, could you, so you think it's possible you'll have a governor candidate well, pro-choice I, I, Well,
2: let Well, let me ask you a different question. When I, I, and, and frankly, it never came up. I, I don't know where Jody Rell stood on the issue. Right. Um, but but I will tell you that when it comes to the Republican Party, what, what I love is the fact that we have uh, and every one of our gubernatorial candidates is, is very different in that regard. So, um, you know, it, it is it's the big tent party. We have people who are pro-life, we have people who are pro-choice, we have people who uh, and, and frankly, I think what's happening in our state, there, there's more people concerned about the fact that we lost 3000 jobs. In November. So you're saying it's going to be the economy? Just yeah. Like we, I mean, this state, economy, the state, the rest of the country now is booming, right? Not Connecticut. So, Roland, could a pro life candidate be the governor candidate for the Democrats? No.
0: So, do you have more of a litmus test than JR does?
1: You know what? If if it if it's about pro life, pro choice, I am comfortable with there being a litmus test uh, to be the Democratic nominee for governor of Connecticut. Right. Yes. But you, you don't want that litmus test in the Republican Party. Well,
2: I, I think you end up in. It, it, there's no diverse thought, right? There's no, so there's the no discussion. So would
0: Republicans be allowed to have a candidate who says we should raise revenues, we should increase taxes on the wealthy? Could you have someone who runs on that?
2: Well, I, I, frankly, I think the the problem is, is that if we're going to be talking about economics, we know that hasn't worked, right? So no candidate would say that because it's failed here under well, the Democrats. Well, some Democrats candidates say and others don't. Right, because that's the Demo- My point is, is that. So they have the bigger tent on that issue. No, it's we're just looking at the data, right? We're 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 analyzing what's in front of us. So right? now,
0: one role at one point, Roland, is so many people want to run for governor as Republican. People, as Jr. said, have actually raised some money and raised profile. A lot of them have come onto the show. I found it very interesting to meet them, and not too many Democrats seem as eager. Is that because? It's looking like a Republican year. That they, that they, even though, but you know what? Jay? are there so few registered Republicans? Only four hundred thousand something registered Republicans in the state. I think each Seven, party has some interesting advantages. Some Democrats, eight hundred thousand, some independents. So I guess we're really talking about the independents. I mean, basically, are the Republicans to something that
1: the independents are all going their way this year? I think each party has some interesting advantages and disadvantages heading into this cycle. Like I think. We could both reverse roles here and tell you how the other party is absolutely not going to win next year because we, we know what the advantages and disadvantages are. As Democrats, our tier A candidates have all opted to not run. Right. Whereas the Republicans are like jostling each other out of the way trying to run. Thankfully, their their candidates aren't the most robust bunch of people either. So that's an advantage that is neutralized. Um, when, when, uh, Lieutenant Governor Wyman drops out, when Senator Kenny drops out, when Comptroller Lembo drops out, like the people we presumed might be our nominee this year, uh, are not there. So, so we're going to. It seems like
0: to a, the leading candidates are Luke Brown and the mayor of Hartford and Joe Gannon, the mayor of Bridgeport, correct? Uh,
2: Dan Drew has raised a decent amount of money right out of Middletown. Middletown. It's all gone. Um. He had to start over. He's back at zero, just for the record. And he's currently being investigated by his own Democrat Town council. You're Just because of the money he raised from city employees for his yeah, campaign. Yeah, uh, they've they. I the think he voted it state. last night. I think. Yeah, they they voted to investigate some of his workings as a as a mayor. Now so he's
0: the is he the only candidate really on the left right now in the Democratic Party? I mean, you got it, Dita, who's the centrist candidate. You got Bronin and Ganem, who are kind of non ideological there.
1: Yeah, it's it's really too early to tell. For the most part, I've I've spoken with almost all of the people who are running for statewide office and. All of them right now are in a more of a listening stage than a than a concrete possible. Well, they got to step
0: up pretty quick. Like if Susan Bice was going to run, I can't imagine she can win let this month end. Well, you know. with
1: campaign finance reform, you actually don't need to be out there that early. You need to be, have a strong network. You know, some which pers- she does. Yeah. A person like Bice can jump in tomorrow and. Probably quickly raise the money uh, to compete. And, are and you're not allowed to say who you would like to see, right? Because you have to be the referee. Correct. The fair. Yes, correct. So you're
0: close to Tim Herbst, the first selectman of Trumbull, who was basically the Trump candidate in the mix, right? He's kind of the right wing. Uh,
2: well, no, I, I mean, I, I that, that term Herbolic Trump guy. candidate. Well, first of all, Tim Tim has been the first selectman of Trumbull for, for many years. He turned that town around when he took over. There was like a t- big deficit. The credit rating was downgraded. Uh, Trump never ran before, right? So you can't, you know, I a lot of liberals, a lot of Democrats are like, that's the Trump candidate. They're all Trump, 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 Trump.
0: But it works the other way too. Trump got a lot of votes from Democratic voters, especially in the Valley. I mean, that's- Right, but I think at the end of the
2: that. day, what what we need to remind people is that Connecticut is suffering. And the all of my candidates are talking about solutions to end the suffering, right? To bring jobs back, to, to make- to make Connecticut more viable, to make Connecticut more vibrant. Um, right now so we're an outbound like this, you'd state. You'd like to see the conversation not be about Trump, but about Connecticut's well, economy. Well, uh, listen, I, I think what it boils down to is is that... I meant that as an honest question. No, no, no. I, I think what it boils down to is is that what people in this state need to recognize is that this state needs to go in a different direction. And the only people talking about a different direction is the Republican candidate. So Roland... JR's you, right there. I, I gotta be honest with you. Like,
1: He wants... Republican Party wants to ensure that this election is not about trump we kind of need to make sure it's not about malloy as, as democrats that's what i was
0: about to say i was it's up to the republicans everyone
1: would be saying malloy the whole campaign if it's up to democrats on the ballot say, look, it, they're going to say
0: trump and all the
1: democrats would like to say trump the, uh, i guarantee you almost every piece of lit he throws out has malloy's name on it and and, and this is the reason why and it, it's smart to do it kind of unfairly he is the most unpopular governor in the country. he's more he's more unpopular than donald trump in the state actually and and, and he is and so we have to have a candidate who can articulate a clear vision for how we move forward. We don't have that yet. I mean, JR is right. Right now, starting today, election held a month from now, the Democratic brand in Connecticut is suffering to the point that our natural advantage that we should have in a midterm election with a Republican president, with Democratic uh, you know, ranks of voters, far outnumbering Republicans, we've lost that advantage. All the natural advantages that we should have, we don't have right now because our brand has suffered and we don't have a clear candidate who can so articulate where we need to be.
0: So separate himself from Malloy or in fact embrace some of
1: Malloy's positions on immigration? I mean, he's been sort of an anti-Trump figure in the state. We, I think you need to embrace a lot of those positions, but point to 2022 in a meaningful way. Talk about where we're going as a state. Show us how we get there. Be strong and clear on progressive values. I think that's what I want out of a candidate, but show us the pathway to get where we need to be because with, absent that, republicans are going to win the messaging war and you're not seeing a candidate yet in the Democrats. not yet like whom would you like to see emerge you know i i don't know no one has actually portrayed what a, a connecticut with that vision looks like no one has done it Drew's well tried uh, drew has tried he has tried yeah i was thinking, i wonder if True's kind of like new to the game kind of
2: like you know, he made kind of a rookie mistake on that fundraising it no i think because what everyone no one understands is like two years earlier they they got a slap on the wrist for doing the same exact thing so it was you know it wasn't so a, jr
0: you seem like the most relaxed man in connecticut right now seems <laughs> like you are feeling. oh my god if luke bronin runs i could talk about the bailout if all i gotta say failing is dan, up you mean yeah dan malloy is even less popular than donald trump in the state I, sounds like you got your election year uh no tail, i mean Trump's it's listen
2: thing. it's 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 never easy um you know what what everyone needs to understand and, and i think roland would, would agree with this donald trump has done one thing he's really energized the Democrat base, right? So. Uh, d- during in the municipal cycle, you know, one of the, any town committee that we worked with, we, we, we strongly encouraged them to completely reevaluate their turnout models. And this is all inside baseball, but we projected about a 10% uptick in Democrat participation. And for most pace, we were dead on, right? we, we Democrats who don't normally vote in municipal elections came out and the Republicans, uh, uh, town committees that adjusted were fine. Some that were not historically, what I'll say is workers like Ridgefield, Connecticut, for example, um, didn't necessarily get out there and do the work, and then they were shocked on election day. But the, there wasn't this, quote-unquote, groundswell, and there's all these other caveats. Like, for example, in Guilford, Connecticut, there was like a, a very nasty primary. The Republican Party was wounded going into election day. So you're
0: not day. worried that the anti the frustration over Trump, the way some people well, claimed we, in Virginia and Alabama, though those were very specific elections for the, other correct. reasons? Correct. And I think Rowan would agree. Every election is election, a little different. People felt that there was the Democrats were spinning the last municipal elections. Oh, this anti-Trump movement is growing. It's going to help us next year. It's, it's exciting saying.
2: their base. I'm not. That, that's the thing. So what? I, my job is to make Republicans understand that there is an excited base, mm. but it doesn't. It doesn't appear that there's this massive punishment, right? So if someone is screaming from the hilltops about Donald Trump, they probably never were with us. You know, it, it, there could be examples so here. saying
0: that what Roland's saying is that the door, the danger for Democrats, they have a candidate who's who's all, all, uh, articulating an alternative version to the status quo in the Democratic Party to excite people. You're saying that the challenge for Republicans is to be aware. To match the intensity. Excited, to match the intensity of yeah. that base. And do you do it by talking about Malloy rather than Trump?
2: Well, I often, and look, this is the truth. Republicans romanticize about the founding, right? The founding of our nation, the republic. And and so what I, I, I challenge them, and I explain that right now, we are fighting for the fabric of our state. We're fighting for our survival economically, for many people, they're fighting to stay here, right? Their families are here. They're, they're struggling to afford to live here with the, you know, the tax rates. And so what I'm, I'm saying is is we have to be inspired by that story of our founding, that, that you know they, they, they sacrificed their treasure. They sacrificed uh, their lives in many cases. And, and it, it shouldn't be a big deal to sacrifice a Saturday to go door knocking, right? Okay. So, so that's kind of how I talk about it. But, but it's true. I, I, I recognize we as a party have to be as excited and, and match that intensity. I think Roland would probably agree with that. So, yeah, they, it's, so it's, you're talking about an
0: excitement gap versus a vision gap. That's yeah. what your guys' jobs are going to be this coming year. My job is to remind people that they are listening to Dateline New Haven on <laughs> WNHHFM, Live stream to newhavenevent we, we got a great group of guests today. We got J R Romano, who's the Republican State Chairman, and Ron Lamar, who's the State Rep from the General 996 uh, District in New Haven and East Haven. And Ron, what's, what's in what capacity do you work on statewide campaigns?
1: Uh, the last cycle, I was the Majority Caucus Chairman, and I helped manage a lot of the state rep races across Connecticut, helping identify candidates, help training them, uh, help getting what them to run this against. Cycle? Uh, this cycle, I'll have a more behind the scenes role, but I'll still be active in in a. Uh, Helping to find candidates across the state. Right, so, so Kate
0: Rosen writes in, so this is the person who said, come on. Now she's saying, J.R., what she meant by come on. With the last session, it is on Facebook, with the last session being dominated by bipartisan divide until the 11th hour, how would a candidate like Mr. Herbst, who enjoys getting in the mud, bring the state together? And then she also said, Republicans, door knock, question mark.
2: Well, yeah, Republicans do door knock. I think Roland would be, attest to that for many of our legislative successes. Not in New 16. Haven, they don't. It turns out, but <laughs> um, <laughs> across the state, they are pretty good at it. Uh, we actually uh, can't get Republican
1: candidates to door knock. That, <laughs> that is, is not true. Jonathan City Warren City has done Point. a tremendous job. Yes. I love him. No, we, um, are,
0: we all love Jonathan
2: Warren. He's trying to get candidates mightily to run. He got one guy who knocked on doors last year out of thirty. So yeah. uh, you know, look, I, I think at the end of the day, what, what the people of Connecticut want is a leader, um, and so. Uh, I I think people forget Dan Molloy is kind of prickly, right? This was a guy that took on challengers. This was a guy that fought hard and got rough and tumble and he won. Um, So I think, you know, we're, we're going to see that uh, from a lot of our candidates. Uh, People are really upset across the state. People are angry at what's happened here. Um, And they're going to want someone that's going to fix it. And that's, that's how I, that's how I feel the average voter. Um, You know, anecdotally, we had a great story of a candidate who, uh, literally would go to a door, and this is she shocked the world by winning. Uh, she would go to a door and say, look, I, I I, just want to introduce myself. I'm running for state rep. I just have one question for you. How do you feel about Dan Malloy? And they would go, these people would go off, right? And she I've did- I thought it was kind of unfair the way people dump on Malloy. Well, he, she Malloy, didn't. She just uh, asked their opinion. I don't mean the candidate. I mean, oh. I don't quite get his unpopularity. Tax increases. Tax more, More and more of our money is going to the state of Connecticut. What are we getting for it? We're not getting better roads. We're not getting a better economy. We're not Ro- getting better Roland. state service. My kids hate it when I tell them they gotta eat their broccoli.
0: <laughs> well, that, that, that so, that, Roland, is that you're saying it's an immature, um, yeah, populace that isn't looking at hard decisions well, I mean, and wants to have cake and eat it too rather than? I said yes
1: before you went that far with it. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a it. It's not recognizing that we spent 30 years ignoring long term obligations, failing to invest in our
2: future. I know Marty really did a bad job at that. Yeah, I mean, right. And
1: making a series of of poor of poor. Choices And the governor comes in and he has got to straighten the ship. And some of the things that we tried to do did not work. They have not solved the problem. I've got to own that now being there for seven years. The governor has to own that. We have got to own that where we are as a state is not where we thought it would be. And we need to have a a compelling candidate who can point to a better vision of tomorrow. And if we don't have that... uh, a Democrat who's running against Malloy and running a little bit scared against a Republican who knocks on your door, who's got a vision for how to get there, even if that vision is wrong and narrow-minded and old-world, laugher economics, trickle-down theory, crazy. So like just, that, that that person's going to win because it at least looks like a future they understand. So it's here's the fundamental it doesn't problem. work, but it but it but it sounds like something they can get behind.
2: But Roland, what I would argue is the Democrats have a control of, has have had control of our economy let's say for seven and a half years. And, and if you want to go back before that, I mean, Jody Rell, were, the, the Democrats had a veto-proof majority. in the. I mean, they did whatever they wanted in this state economically, whatever they wanted, right? So to argue that somehow a different direction is somehow voodoo when, when the Democrats have failed in this state, failed, I mean, you, it's unequivocally failed. We are, we are looking at massive deficits year after year after year. And the fact that it, Martin Looney, Martin Looney challenged GE he said, we don't need him. You know, he was very arrogant about the whole idea of the GE leaving. Well, now it's time to pay the piper because all of those really wealthy people that, that Democrats have chastised in this state are gone. What no one understands is we have a growing, the number of millionaires in our state, in fact, are growing. So they're not gone. Well, but wait a minute. What no one talks about is, is in, in two years span, I think we lost seven billionaires. One billionaire could represent up to $100 million in tax revenue. You need about two thousand millionaires to match one billionaire. So we are not keeping pace. These billionaires are leaving in droves, and that's why we're seeing John John uh, Tudor Jones. Right? He left. Thomas Pedafy left. That's where we're seeing these massive. So, what
0: about the billionaire gap? You worried about that? I See, mean,
2: the billionaires
1: he, leaving New ha- uh, Connecticut in droves. I, I mean, droves. I think we went from like fourteen to twelve. I think I think that's the no, number. It's, it's larger than that. But so he's saying the net,
0: some came in, some came out. I
1: think some came in with like some grew, some. La- I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the reasons why a billionaire. Some billionaires decides. became two billionaires in one.
2: <laughs> it, but but we're thinking? not. The but revenue shortfalls are there.
1: The revenue shortfalls are there. No, the, without without question, the revenue shortfalls are there. The, the amount of dollars that we've predicted on a year by year annual growth never materialized.
2: I don't think Malloy's been right once oh wait no that's not
1: true to be fair it's not malloy who makes this determination this is a a, a non-partisan His administration no it's office of fiscal analysis which is a non-partisan uh agency that has absolutely nothing to do with governor malloy actually what what am i and, and well, this yeah, is actually about that
2: that's this is well oh, if you want to make the argument that it's a non-partisan ben barnes oh, fine he, but-
1: he's 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 opm that he definitely works for governor malloy he's definitely a democrat the office of fiscal analysis which has to vet all of our budgets has, has Vetted all of these budgets in a non-partisan way. OFA is not OPM. OPM comes up with bo- uh, budgetary proposals and policy proposals, and they have to get voted on, and they have to be vetted by our non-partisan Office of Fiscal Analysis. Who hires?
2: Who's hire? Who hires them? Uh,
1: the Republican and Democrats
2: have oh, to they agree get appointed. Yeah. Okay. So, but here, here, here's the thing. What, what I think really frustrates me is when we talk about these massive shortfalls. One year, I think Malloy didn't have a shortfall. And it was because of our inheritance tax. Near the end of the year, we were projected, I think, to have $150 million. I, I give her, this was like in his first year in office. Two really wealthy people from Greenwich had died, and their inheritance tax, in fact, closed. Well, I think the, the
0: Democrats are acknowledging that oh, we've gone to a much greater reliance on the income tax for revenue. The income tax is more volatile.
2: I think we could disagree about the reasons they, they go up and down, the variations. Well, sure, but, but right now we're an outbound state where our population particularly the wealthy and businesses are leaving
0: that yeah, is a fact we can argue about why some people argue because we don't invest enough on in infrastructure so when boston wanted to lord ge when new york lord etna they had invested and it takes tax money to do that
2: and where, where are we spending our and, tax money then because because if if this was the case it, you, you're literally sitting here arguing is like well no what we're paying for right now no we all need that we just need more money to do this other stuff and and again it's I thought gas tax was supposed to pay for
1: infrastructure. We lowered the gas tax. Uh, we don't have tolls. We have a you. Se- you
2: lowered it, or did you take it away from being a variable? Because we, if we I remember, took it away
1: from being a, a variable, which ended right. up necessarily being a lower gas tax. Right, but where so, did both, all that, both things can be true? <laughs> right,
2: where 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 did all that? We're having to go. Did, did, did the legislature at any point in seven years that you've been there, have they raided that transportation fund to meet operating expenses and use it on something other than infrastructure? At one year,
1: there was a net outflow from the Trans- special transportation
2: fund. It was made up for by
1: m- many more dollars going to transportation on the bonding side where we bought. She series borrowed. Of tr- well, yeah, what we a series of train cars. Like it was hard to come up with the $3 billion to make a strategic investment in mass transit that get us to the largest job center. In right, but, but my country.
2: point is you 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 can't say that, well, we took it. We took hard cash out to pay for something and then we borrowed over here. Because that's yeah, not- Yeah, no, well,
1: then there, there was one year when there was a net outflow out of the out of the seven. Just one? Yeah, just one. Okay.
0: We're going to see Chris Murphy running for president in 2020. The New York Times puts him on the top list based on Quinnipiac University polls of 10 most likely Democratic uh, challenges. Contenders.
1: I've known Senator Murphy since he was just Chris, who was dating a girl down the road here in in, uh, in New Haven, and he is a remarkable potential candidate who is smart, concise, willing to paint that vision of a future that's both progressive, honest, and making tough choices. So I think Chris is outstanding are choice.
2: I, I think his ego will will lead him down that path. Uh, you know, here's a guy who is the the epitome of divisiveness. Um, you know, I I find it really ironic and sad that you have someone who has tweeted out that Republicans want people to die, and he's taken seriously. Um, you know, if any, if a Republican had tweeted something out like that that he had done, uh, you no, know, in fact, would,
0: Donald Trump tweets stuff every day that you can't believe he tweeted. Well, but but, he's but again, so let's let, let, nuclear buttons today with the with the well, right. But or, but
2: again, Chris Murphy tweeted out that Republicans want people to die, which isn't true. But no one cared, right? Because of course he's a liberal, so the media kind of ignored his outrageous statement like that. Are we going to pretend that death panels and and like essentially five years
1: of Republican mass media operation didn't do the exact same thing? Right. So let me
2: ask you: I mean, if we want to talk about, are you in Obamacare? Because
1: I am. I don't think I'm on Obamacare no. No,
2: you get you get insurance through the state. Of yes, right. right? Yes. Okay. So do you know how much my premium is?
1: Uh, as a single person, what are you? Thirty six years old. Thirty eight. Thirty nine. thirty nine. Thirty nine November. Congratulations. I presume you're. Well, it depends on which plan you're on, but you can probably get uh, something between hundred and depending on your income, between hundred and eighty dollars a month up to maybe five hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, I pay. I, cl- I pay a little bit more than five hundred a month. But you're yeah. lucky.
1: It's so low because you have like a real job. You work for an organization, that gives you salary,
0: and
2: you get. You're paying that little. No, fees. so I work for a small nonprofit. That is forced to go into the exchanges, and, and Obamacare is anything but affordable. That's the Connecticut Republican Party. Correct. So so this is my fundamental problem for me to look at and say, how much do you pay for your health insurance? Well, I have a family plan. I think I'm paying maybe three hundred dollars a month. So you pay, so it, I, I I should be okay with paying an additional two hundred dollars for a liberal ideological plan that isn't working. So why and question on it, why is the and then and then be told that I want people to die. That's the, okay, because Connecticut... that's what Murphy did, right? I'm paying, I'm paying five hundred dollars a month, two hundred more a month than you are. This is a, this is a wonderful construction to get away from the point that like, no, it's they're... not a point. I have to. It's out of my pocket. Just to it's out of my, it's out not out of yours. It's out of mine. Why is the Connecticut Republican Party on Obamacare? It's you're a small business. You have to be. You have to go to the exchanges under the rules. That's the fundamental problem. I pay five hundred dollars a month. Why don't you go to a private insurer? You you th- love the private market. You, you don't understand. That's how it works. You go, you I have an insurance broker, but it's, you, you have to We're go. We're a
0: nonprofit. Th- We're small. We go to United Healthcare.
2: It's a it's all, it's all, a lot more. it's all through the exchanges. The point is, is that I'm paying for an ideological idea on universal healthcare or whatever the Democrats want to do. I pay $200 more a month than you do. How is that fair? And you're insuring a family, right? Yeah. So for me to be against something like that, I want people to die. Because because I don't think it's fair that I'm paying more money than other people.
1: The construct with which you've developed this argument is 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 great. It's smart. It's brilliant. It's a it's a brilliant way to do it. And it's the, true. The reality is people will be pushed off of insurance. People will be denied coverage. There will be people who die. This is again nonpartisan. You're talk, so you're talking who say about you're talking about
2: the pre existing condition. Yes. Caveat, which I'm in favor of. Next <clears throat> step. Are. Yes. Now what? So most Republicans are in favor of the pre-existing condition. Uh, you're not answering my fundamental question. For me we, to be against the idea that I should have to pay $200 fails more a month, if there
1: is not an individual mandate, the whole thing fails. If there's not enough right, money bro, in the you're system not to fundamentally provide coverage, answering every, my question: Why I should mean. I
2: have to pay
1: $200 more a month than you
2: when you're covering but a family? But he's not a good
0: example. You're paying so much less than we are at the independent. We're a nonprofit. We're you know, also based. It also, also how is so much less than the private market. Right, but again, our, uh, they're killing us. We went up twenty two percent this year because my my wife and I cost
2: so. 20, you should agree 30, with me. 000. You should agree. Well, it also depends on your age and all the other restrictions right, in the government. Old, so, yeah. right. So, look. At the end of the day, for me to be against something that's costing me real dollars, Roland, real dollars, two hundred dollars more a month that I could pay towards my getting, student loan, I could I could, cheap, I could save JR. the
0: bike. You're getting five hundred a month. Not, that's not cheap. A, right you're, But you're taking the ridiculous legislator plans that's not yeah. the comparison the okay so so let's take let's take. Uh, okay how,
2: w- I'm, l- let's see does anyone work at yale new haven hospital how much do they pay a month in insurance i bet you it's lower than what i pay so for me to be fu- th- look this is what people don't understand i think about he Obama wants care. a single-payer
1: system because he's, I rec- he's recognizing system. i want a free market system uh, no, which you, we don't have well the free, mar- the free market system is going to yield you much more expensive health care coverage no, it's not Oh, it most assuredly was. That's what we had prior That's to That's what we Obamacare. had. We had government
2: intervention. You,
1: you're, you're pointing out two large systems that are able to negotiate for large groups of people to drive down costs. Like, if you point to the state of Connecticut, Yale New Haven healthcare system, you're talking about large insurance plans that are able to drive down costs because they negotiate for tens of thousands of individuals at right, so a question.
2: Let me ask you a question. And this is what I think the fundamental problem with healthcare is, and we don't talk about it in the context of the free market. If you work for Yale New Haven Hospital, right? Do you have a say in who your insurer is? I think you can choose from two plans, but- um... For the most part, you don't. Right, right. Okay. So I'm the one paying for it though, right? Through my labor and th- or through directly through my salary. I'm the consumer, yet I have no say over what my coverage is, what it covers, who the company's with. If I have a problem with, my, with the insurance company that is forced down my throat by my employer, I have nowhere to go. We force this idea that, and, and by the way, corporations get a tax write-off for providing healthcare. That was the whole scam in the first place. Insurance companies didn't want to sell to us on an individual basis. So even though it's my labor, my sweat, my tears, my money... I have no say as the consumer of my own health insurance. But then if you my don't own get health
0: adequate health care or if there's no regulation to protect you against shyster companies that aren't really going to protect you and you need it, you're going to end up at the health at the emergency room and we are going to pay I for I think
2: JR is like
1: five minutes away from a single-payer universal health care structure. No, no. Because no. <laughs> <laughs> nothing <laughs> the government manages well,
0: runs than, well. Unfortunately, we're less than five minutes away from the, end of the show because I, I love when you guys are talking. You guys are great. Hey, let me ask you. Oz Griebel's going to run as an independent. How does that, for governor in 2018, how does that throw the balance of the I, I think
2: he's going to be a spoiler for somebody. If, if he, it, well... It depend, Weicker
0: his, was the spoiler and Groark for the Democrat, but Oz Griebel doesn't have that kind of statewide recognition.
2: Well, but it, in a race that I think is going to be close, mm-hmm. you know, if he gets three or four percent on either side, he's probably going to be the spoiler. And he'll, it, it, I think the, the fundamental problem with, with Oz is he has zero infrastructure, right? And he's just doing this as a process and ego. And frankly, there's many that theorize it's because he's friends with Luke Bronin and, and that whole Hartford, Hartford circle. Yeah. I mean, he's donated and to his campaign. Make sense because he could pull Democratic votes.
1: I think Jr's. Reach no, a conclusion I, that's going to hurt Republicans more than Democrats. That well, was a pretty... The Democrats pretty, aren't
2: being critical of him,
1: so... See, I see it hurting Democrats. I I mean, I'm not sure. Yet. Yeah. It depends on what his campaign's and about. who are
0: going to be the candidates for governor in the years over? Who do you think it's going to be? I have no idea. No one can. None. Well, that means you're going to have to come back on Dateline New Haven on WNHS. It FM. could be
2: someone that hasn't even announced yet.
0: That's right. All right. Well, I'd like to announce, I want to thank you both. J.R. Romano, the state Republican chairman, state rep. Rolling Lamar. I love when you guys come on Dateline New Haven. You really you teach me a lot. When you guys are going out and you both really know what you're talking about. And I and I love it. Thanks for thanks everyone for joining us today. We're going to take it out with the Afro Semitic Experience, performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the Group C D of Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just gotta to remember to book our flight. Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for Community Radio.